everybody out there today a happy Father's Day. I also want to recognize many of those out there who are experiencing their first Father's Day without their dad or their umpteenth Father's Day without their dad. I know that that doesn't get easier, and so I said a prayer for you this morning. I also said a prayer for those of you out there that I know have longed to be parents and for whatever reason haven't been blessed with that yet, and uh, for some of those that wanted to be parents and it just wasn't in the cards, and so maybe you're a, you're a dog dad or uh, you found a way to spoil other people's children, and we appreciate what you offer to the world as well. And so just want to tell each and every one of you that you are all loved, and we are praying for you, and I hope that you have a blessed day. I'm wearing a shirt that my wife bought me. I'm telling you this because she told me to tell you this because I gave her so much trouble, uh, I think a Wednesday or two ago, about the fact that she's terrible at buying gifts and never does. And so I just bought my own gifts. And so this year she got me gifts and I also bought myself gifts. So it was a great, it was a really great Father's Day for me. Um, my kids, one of them is sick and one of them uh, is attached to her mom's hip and uh, just apparently cannot function without her. So they are at home today trying to get Cordelia well. And I'm sure Winifred has said mom for about the 742nd time already this morning. And so pray for Jerrica and for the kids that when I get home, everything is well and in one piece. We are continuing our series this morning in Habakkuk. It's a series that uh, I've been really excited about. I'll be honest, I didn't know what God was going to do with it, but I feel like he's really used it for a lot of us. And uh, isn't it funny how God can work? He doesn't need me to do amazing things, but I am honored and blessed to be a vessel. And so as we continue our series in Habakkuk, week one, if you remember, Habakkuk had his first complaint. He sees violence and injustice everywhere he looks, and God seemingly does not care, and he doesn't know why he's not doing anything. And so he complains from a place of genuine concern. And then last week, we looked at God's response, and I kind of told you how that response was almost like a quiet, ominous whisper of, I'm coming. I'm coming, meaning that he did not look at the injustice and the violence and, and not care that he wasn't unaware of it, but that justice was very important to him and that it would come and that it would be served. And after he explains to Habakkuk and the nation of Judah how that justice is to come through the Babylonians who were uh, just an ultimate military force of their day who would sweep through and leave nothing but dust and destruction in their wake. After he told that to Habakkuk, we see Habakkuk's second complaint and Habakkuk kind of looks at God and he hears what God says he's going to do and he goes, yeah, maybe I don't want this, right? Or I'm kind of, I'm glad you're, you're moving. I'm glad you're doing what I asked, but I'm not super excited about how you say you're going to move. And so Habakkuk asked, God answered. Today we look at what happens when we ask God to move and he answers, but it isn't exactly in the way that we would wish. So we're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12 through chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read it all and then we'll just go through it and see what the Lord has for us today. And hopefully he will bless you like he has blessed me through his word. Starting in verse 12, it says, Lord, are you not far? Are you not? Let me restart. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. 
The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his nets and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am given to this complaint. So Habakkuk gets his answer, and before anything else, he kind of starts with a question that demands an affirmative reply. God, are you not everlasting? And the answer, the only answer that can be given there is yes. God always was, always has been, and always will be. Habakkuk's question here is really more of a statement, and it's a statement of faith, confidence in the living and eternal God. It's a steep contrast from the Babylonians mentioned last week, whose confidence is in themselves and in their military power, right? Their, their might is where they take their confidence. But Habakkuk and the nation of Judah as Habakkuk is trying to express, only receives their confidence from a living God. And then he goes on to say, my God, my Holy One, you will never die. But I'm gonna tell you guys that I don't really like that translation. Now it's in the NIV, I usually preach from the NIV. It's the, 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 the translation that most of us have when we look at our Bibles, but uh, there's many, many other translations which are actually more prominent, which makes a whole lot more sense. And I'm gonna kind of explain to you why the difference, okay? So what we read was, my God, my Holy One, you will never die. But if we look at the original language, that ending of verse one would better be stated as we shall never die or we will never die. Those that decided on the word you were hoping to express the closeness of the relationship between Judah and God, the covenant relationship that they had that saw them almost as intertwined. So as he says, you will never die, he's really saying, God, if we die, you die, right? And that can't take place because you are everlasting. What Habakkuk is really trying to almost argue with God uh, in, in a very pleading sort of way is that the nation of Judah cannot die. They cannot be wiped out by the Babylonians like every other nation that the Babylonians has come up against. And so his cry is, we shall not die. We shall not die. And then Habakkuk does what a lot of us do in times of trouble. What I often do uh, when I'm facing trials, when I have a problem in life, he tries to convince himself that it's not that bad, right? Like, oh, this is bad, but it's not that bad. So it's like, oh, the Babylonians, eesh. Well, God did choose them, right? They are your chosen instrument. So he, he knows that this really like not good thing is coming, but he's trying to convince himself that it's really not that bad because God chose them and God has this covenant relationship with them and they are his chosen people. And so surely he will not wipe them out through the Babylonians, right? It's only going to be judgment, not complete annihilation. And then after that, he makes a statement where he says, God is my rock, that term rock was first used in Deuteronomy to express God's stability and his security that was available to people through him. His words here are an absolute expression of unwavering faith in God. And yet, and while he is there with this unwavering faith and, and able to really express it beautifully, 
there's still a question that is burning deep inside of him. This question that he just can't let go unasked or unanswered. He starts buttering God up. God, you are too good. You are too good to even look at evil. You can't tolerate wrong. I see that now. I made my first complaint. Maybe I got a little too big for my britches, and I appreciate that you're answering, but I don't want you to answer like this, not with the Babylonians, not with this type of destruction, not with this type of force. You're too good to look at evil. You can't tolerate wrong. It's just not your character. How then, how then can you allow the Babylonians to devour us, your chosen people? And then he goes on to say something that every child in trouble would say. We're sinful, but they're sinfuler. <laughs> right? Like, listen, I, sometimes Cordelia will get in trouble for something and Winifred will come and be like, I would never do that, right? I, I would have listened if you told that to me, which is not true if you know Winifred. Like, not even, <laughs> not even close to true. She, she's like, I'm going to do what I want, right? But there will also be times where, like, you'll get Winifred in trouble, and she'll be like, yeah, but Cordelia did, and vice versa. Cordelia, well, Winifred, and it's like, we're not comparing. It's not apples to apples, not apples to oranges. Like, you're in trouble for your wrong. They're in trouble for their wrong. But here's Habakkuk saying, I know we're sinful. I know we've screwed up. I know we're violent and wrong and unjust, and we've been doing all these things that are not godly, and I know that we're the nation that represents you, and we should reflect your character, but they're worse they're worse. So why, God, are you allowing them to have victory over us? Why are you allowing them to beat us? Why, why are they your chosen tool? And as we'll see next week, Habakkuk will get an answer, but we're not looking at that answer right now. We're just looking at his complaint. And so Habakkuk has this dilemma. He wanted God to act. God is moving, not the way that he wanted not the way that he wanted. God, I wanted you to move. I needed you to move. I did not want you to move like this. I certainly don't think that this is what I need. You see, we can ask God to act on our behalf, but we don't always get to choose how that action takes place. And that is one of the hardest parts about the Christian's relationship with God. So often we want God to move in our lives, but we don't have complete control over how God is going to do that. We do have a promise that he will make things work for our good, that he will take care of his people, that he will provide for our needs, but we just don't have that control. And when we find ourselves in such situations, can we, like Habakkuk, still find expressions of faith? Can we still offer God our belief? The question I have for you this morning that I really want you to contemplate is this. When the walls are closing in, are you faithful or are you fearful? Are you faithful or are you fearful? I just want you to think about it. I'm gonna, we're going to take 10 seconds. I'm going to watch my watch. Just think about it. I don't have that type of attention span. 10 seconds is up, okay? So are you faithful or are you fearful? Here's the thing, what if I told you, what if I told you it's okay to be both? What if I told you that we can be like Habakkuk 
and we can express pure faith in God and yet still have fear in our hearts. We can still trust that God will make things work for our good, but be perplexed at how he's going to bring about a solution. And Habakkuk goes on in verse 14 to compare Judah to fish in the sea. They are easy prey, just floating around, making whatever noise fish make, probably like a bloop bloop. They are easy prey. They're just waiting to be captured. They're waiting for the Babylonians to drag their nets and send their hooks and rip them out of the sea from which then they will either be sold or devoured or captured and taken, I guess, as pet fish. But they are just completely and utterly hopeless. And then after that takes place, Habakkuk says, these Babylonians, they're not going to worship you. God, they're not going to look at you and thank you for their victory. No, they're going to praise their nets. They're going to praise their hooks. They're going to look at their instruments at their own power and say, look at what it is that we have done. And they will offer offerings that should go to a good and righteous God to their tools of tirade. And they will not give God his due. And Habakkuk just can't understand how God can allow this type of person to prosper. And it's one of those instances where for me, it kind of recalls the verse where we're supposed to not focus on the speck in our neighbor's eye while we have a plank in our own. You see, Judah has a world of problems, all their own. Habakkuk knows this. It's why he asked for God's help. But when it's time for things to be reconciled, Habakkuk, just not so sure that God's doing it the way that God should do it. Maybe you've been there. I know I've been there. I'll be honest, there are times where God has moved in such a way that to me has felt unjust, has felt unfair. I look around and I see a corrupt world seemingly prospering while I'm trying to live the right way and I'm seemingly not. I can be honest and tell you that I've been there. I hope that you can be honest with yourself and see that you've probably been there as well. And here are these Babylonians who will come and rip them out of the sea and they will become rich off their conquests. And even worse, it will never be enough. They'll just empty their nets to fill those nets again. They prey on those less fortunate, less capable, less powerful. Habakkuk wants justice. He's just not sure if he wants it this bad. Maybe he's not even completely confident that justice is going to be served through such a means. And then he begs God for a logical explanation. This doesn't fit your character. Please explain. Please explain. 
Tell me why I have to go through this. Tell me why we have to go through this. Tell me why we have to suffer. Tell me why the desires of my heart are not mine. Why haven't they been given to me yet? Why does this justice feel so perverse? Habakkuk is a long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) And now he's ready to hang up and listen to the response. In our relationship with God, you have to know, I need you to know today that it is possible to be both faithful and fearful. To be in a position where we are scared, to ask questions, to express confusion, We can still not see the whole picture, but have faith that God will paint it beautifully. I'm going to say that again. We can still not see the whole picture and yet have faith that God will paint it beautifully. In the end, Habakkuk's complaint, at the end of Habakkuk's complaint, he does what we all should do. He decides on silence and he opens his ears. He pauses and he listens. Psalm 46.10 tells us that God says to be still and know that I am God. And that is where Habakkuk is in this moment. He is choosing to be still and to have faith and to listen. I'm here to tell you today that God is speaking. He is still actively speaking and he is still actively moving specifically in your life it's time for some of us to hang up and listen it's time for some of us to be still and know that he is god to change our focus from what it is that we don't have to what it is that we have been blessed with and to look at how we can nature and nurture and cultivate the gifts that God has placed in our lives. You are uniquely you. I believe because God made it so. Some of those trials that you face, some of those tribulations that you've been forced through, they weren't God's doing. It was the evil and the sin of man perpetrated on you. On this Father's Day, we can blame Eve for eating the apple. Sin was introduced into the world. And sin has consequences. But the glory of our God is that he can take that evil, those trials, those tribulations, and he can make us a whole and beautiful painting that speaks specifically to someone else in this world who needs your story, who needs your message, who needs God's power, and who will only receive it through you. That is beautiful. That should inspire faith, even in the fear. So again, I tell you, God is speaking. He is moving. Are you listening? 
Are you listening? Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day, for this morning, for this beautiful book of Habakkuk that I will be honest, I hadn't spent much time in before this series. And Lord, when you said, speak on Habakkuk, when you led me to that book, I didn't see what you were doing. I didn't understand. It's kind of funny now after going through the book and seeing Habakkuk circumstances, but Lord, I decided to trust and I decided to follow and you did amazing things. You are continuing to do amazing things. You have shown us through this series that we can have a very real and very open relationship with you, that our lines of communication doesn't always have to be all praise and potpourri, that we can complain when we feel like life is not just that we can tell you exactly how we feel when we feel the way that we feel. God, it's also taught us to trust. You answer prayers, you act and you move, but no, it's not always the way that we would see fit. I would pray that you would help us to change ourselves, to, that, that you would mold us, that you would get rid of those things in our life that say everything has to be fair, that everything has to be just, that everything will always be right in our lives. And replace that thought process with one of faith that says, when I go through these things, when I face these trials, when I face temptation, when I face tribulation, when I am wronged, God's going to do something wonderful through this. May we be able to reflect on our lives and think back and wonder how is God going to use this to further his kingdom. God, there are hearts out there today that are hurting. People who have had evil acted upon them. They didn't deserve it. Certainly didn't choose it. God, if they could go back and have it never happen, that's absolutely the path that they would choose. And I don't blame them. And I know that you don't blame them. God, I would ask today that if they are blaming you, that they would stop. That they would see that the evil in this world is brought by sin and by a human race that is far from godly. For those of us that know you, those of us that have experienced the grace of Christ, God, I pray that you would help us to be a vessel that would travel out into this world and spread your gospel and spread your good news and tell the world that has beaten and broken that they are loved. And that while we can't take away that pain, you can. And while we can't make what's happened to them make sense, you can. You can use it for good. I can say this confidently because I know that you've done it in my life and I see you doing it in the lives of others. God, help us to not just be petitioners, 
but also listeners. Help us to pause long enough to seek your voice and your guidance. These are the things that we need. May we choose faith in spite of the fear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to stand back in the back. If you need to come pray with me, please do so. Jake will be over here, you know, the guy with the sandals and the socks. He'll be over here on the right side underneath the television to pray with you as well. Chelsea, could I ask you, would you mind? Chelsea, if, if you'd rather pray with, with a lady, and that's understandable, Chelsea will be over here to the left, and she would love to pray with you as well. If you have something that you need to pray about, something that you need to take to God, there is strength in numbers. You do not have to go through this alone. You do not have to bear your burden alone. It's why God gave us the body of Christ. It's why church exists, so that we can go through life and encourage one another. And if you have a need, we want to hear from you today. We want to pray for you today. Do not leave this place keeping it all bottled up and keeping it inside. If you want to talk about what it means to have faith in God, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, to be a Christian, I say this almost every week, there is no more important question to have answered. There's no more important discussion to have. Do not leave today without having that discussion if God has placed it on your heart. If membership is something you're interested in, speak to me after. Otherwise, now, we're going to focus on three things. We're going to reflect, we're going to pray, and we're going to worship. So stand with us now and worship.